Rupert Sheldrake, a peerless trailblazer in many areas of science and philosophy, recently sat down with us to discuss his visit to Electric Universe 2013, The Tipping Point, held January 3rd through 6th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He also reveals some key concepts found in his newest book, The Science Delusion, published in the United States as Science Set Free, Ten Paths to New Discovery which asks a number of clear and compelling questions of mainstream science, leading to answers that they likely won't want to hear. We hope you enjoy the interview. I'm talking here at this conference, the Electric Universe Conference, about my new book, Science Set Free. And the reason it's relevant to this conference is that this conference is a collection of people who are trying to break out of old paradigms to give us a new view of the universe, which leads to a reinterpretation of the history of the Earth, of geology, of the way galaxies work, um, indeed of the way the entire universe works. Nothing could be more fundamental. The people who are in this group, mainly physicists, some mythologists and others, um, confront the problems anyone does who tries to do something new in science, namely conservatism and dogmatism. And that's really the theme of my book, Science Set Free. The thesis is that all the sciences are being held back by dogmatic assumptions and by an institutional framework that um, conspires against genuine creativity. Many people imagine that science is self-correcting, the free exploration of the unknown, that it's about hypotheses, evidence, rational discussion, and so forth. If only that were true. Um, That's what I think it should be about, but in reality, it's rather different. In my book, I summarize the 10 fundamental dogmas of science today and show when we turn them into questions instead of assuming they're true. uh, Whole new questions open up. One of the areas that overlaps with the theme of the electric universe is the question, is the dogma matters unconscious? Uh, That becomes the question, is matter unconscious? And it really looks at the whole question of what we mean by matter. Modern science has got locked into a view of matter that was really formed in the 19th century. Physics itself has transcended it. It's it's given us a view of electrons and protons as wave-like patterns of activity, their energy bound within fields, matter's no longer fundamental. Uh, It's a process, not a thing. And when we think of it in process terms, uh, all sorts of new questions come up. The first philosopher to see this was Alfred North Whitehead in the 1920s. And he raised the possibility that even electrons might have a kind of mental aspect as well as a physical aspect. He showed a whole new way of thinking of the relation of mind and body, The mental aspect is to do with the future. It's located in the future, the virtual futures, or at the realm of possibility, the physical in the past. So the relation of body and mind is of future to past, and one kind of causation works backwards in time, the other works forward. Now, I think this general principle that Whitehead put forward uh, enables us to think about matter in a completely different way. And not only think about our own minds and their relation to our bodies in a new way, to think about electrons in a new way, but also about galaxies and stars. 
The electric universe theory talks about patterns of electrical activity in galaxies, huge currents flowing over millions of light years. Um, vast electric currents flowing through galaxies, complex patterns of electrical activity in suns and planets. Now, all of this has been discovered by science itself. It's not as if scientists don't know about these things, but they don't interpret them in the same way. Um, I think when we take them seriously, we see these huge patterns of electrical activity in galaxies and in suns and stars are not that different from the currents of electrical activity that pervade living organisms or indeed molecules and crystals. Everything in the universe has this electrical aspect to it. Um, and because I think brains and the electrical activity in brains is a kind of interface with the mind, everyone thinks that, and uh, because I think electrons could have a kind of mind related to their wave-like activity, the question arises, could the sun have a mind? Could the whole galaxy have a mind? Um, and if so, what are they thinking about? Um, so this is one of the areas that greatly interests me. Um, and one of the things I hope to be talking to people about at this conference. Um, if the whole galaxy has a mental life, uh, what are its purposes? Uh, what's it doing? How are these activities uh, working themselves out? Um, if the sun has a mind, what's it thinking about? Well, obviously, the solar system would be its primary concern. That's like its body. Um, but also its peer group, the other stars, and how it fits in with the rest of the galaxy. And if galaxies have minds, what about the entire universe? Um, you see, I think these are all questions that could be on the scientific agenda. Um, it's just an assumption that matters unconscious, and uh, an assumption that was built into science in the 17th century. Um, it leads to endless problems, including the failure of science to explain human consciousness. There's no doubt we're conscious, but we ought not to be if matter's unconscious. Um, so there's many problems within science, and uh, I suppose my ultimate fantasy would be a convergence of consciousness studies and cosmology, uh, areas which are at present entirely separate and considered to dwell in entirely different domains. The standard materialist view of consciousness is that it's nothing to do, nothing but the brain activity. And therefore, to study the mind, all you need to do is more brain scans. Uh, so you're just looking at the physiology of the brain. Uh, while cosmology is something completely different to do with gravity, black holes, uh, multiverses, uh, and various speculative theories, uh, and a great deal of mathematics, um, and completely unrelated to consciousness or minds. Now, I think that these are two areas that, if they converge, could lead to completely exciting new kind of science that would engage lots of people who at present find science boring, and for good reason, a lot of it is boring, um, that would inspire young people, that would give open up a new area of dialogue between science and religion, uh, because religions are cosmological, but they all formed in an era when cosmology was an extremely primitive compared with what it is today. And because uh, science has been in this secularized uh, area com compartmentalized away from religion, um, we don't have the possibility to have this dialogue at the moment. But when we do, I think it would be 
very interesting to know if there's all these kinds of consciousness in the universe greater than ours, how do these relate to religious ideas about consciousness greater than ours? Um, how do they relate to traditions of um, there being many forms of intelligence or consciousness in the universe? In the Christian, Jewish, and Islamic tradition, this was thought of in terms of the angels. And some of the angels were the intelligences of the stars. Now, what if their idea that the stars were intelligent, conscious beings uh, takes on a completely new twist in the light of the electric universe theory? Um, that would be very exciting. And uh, this is one of the very few places where it's possible to entertain these ideas. You couldn't possibly discuss them in a regular astronomy department or physics department. The usual attitude to traditional religious beliefs is to just say they're all completely primitive, superstitious, superseded by science. But what the various religions of the world have been telling us is that there are many forms of life and consciousness in the universe. No religion that I know of has a foreshortened view that's just God out there and us here and the rest of the universe is irrelevant. Uh, all of them have cosmologies uh, in which consciousness plays a major role. And they all have structures of organization in which there are many forms of consciousness beyond the human and the divine, and between the human and the divine. In Islam, there are all the angels. Indeed, the Quran was dictated by one according to the usual view in Islam. In Christianity, they're all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, in Judaism, there, there, there's plenty of angels. Um, in Hinduism, there are the devas, the shining ones. Um, Tibetan Buddhism has dakinis and all sorts of intelligent beings that exist between the human and, and the superhuman realms. So uh, how do these connect with the cosmos? I mean, the idea of the entire cosmos is made of purposeless dead matter, uh, utterly meaningless, uh, and we're just on a tiny speck of a planet it, uh, and utterly insignificant as a result. It's such a depressing view. Um, yet cosmology in many ways is incredibly exciting. It's revealed to us far more of the universe than anyone could ever have suspected in the past. And yet it's been rolled out within a, a, a 17th century framework of thinking, a mechanistic, gravitation-dominated framework that became the paradigm of science in, in the 17th century. Newton's theory of gravitation meant that it became the dominant model of what science should be. Um, but even Newton um, had a great interest in these bigger questions. Newton didn't think that space was just empty space. He thought that uh, space was the sense organ of God, that sense was the space, that space was nothing other than uh, the, the spread out being of God through which God knew where everything was, because everything happens in space, and if God, God's sense organ is absolute space, then every movement, every change uh, is detected instantly by God, who knows where everything is. It's within God. Now, Newtonian physics is often portrayed as this desperately reductionistic model, but it isn't. It's a completely holistic model. Everything's in, within God's being. Um, everything interrelates with everything else. Th gravitation says that everything's interconnected. Um, so 
even if we look back to the foundations of mechanistic science, we can see there's always been a strand in it which is holistic, integrative, and open to much more interesting kinds of speculation. Um, so anyway, I think that the Electric Universe uh, group uh, and the whole project is opening up questions that have been shut down for far too long uh, that uh, are approaching them in a scientific way um, and coming up against dogma, which any branch of science now comes up against. I think that science in the 19th century was much freer because it hadn't been completely institutionalized. And the, if you think of the innovation by people like Darwin, and Darwin didn't have to get government grants, he didn't have an academic post, he didn't have anonymous peer review. Um, Darwin was free uh, to think as he wanted to think. And so were many of the other great innovators of science in the 19th century and before that. But now, almost all scientists are institutionalized on very short leashes uh, of peer-reviewed grant approvals for limited periods. Um, and I think that it's tremendously damped down that creative spirit, which is the lifeblood of science. So that, I think, is the great challenge in the 21st century to rediscover that creative spirit that lies at the heart of science. That's the main project of my book, Science Set Free. And I think it overlaps uh, very well with this electric universe enterprise. So I'm delighted to be here at this conference. We hope you enjoyed this interview. If you'd like to follow Mr. Sheldrake's work, or perhaps order a book, visit his website online at sheldrake.org. If you'd like to keep in touch with the Electric Universe team, visit us on Facebook at The Thunderbolts Project. We'll see you there.